You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for Christian writers who are ready to conquer what's holding them back. I'm Nika Maples, and this is the toxic phrase you keep saying. I want to share with you what to do when you don't know what to do. A lot of times we use the words, I don't know. It's almost a knee-jerk reaction in our communication. I don't know. I don't know. I think the words, I don't know, might even be the most toxic words that we say to ourselves and to others. And it certainly isn't biblical. I'll tell you why. Because James 1 Five and following says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. But he who asks should believe and not doubt. I always ask God what to do next. I always ask him for wisdom. And the thing we tend to do is then turn right around and say, we still don't know. What? That's what it means to doubt. Listen, when you ask God for wisdom, he operates within you as wisdom. So the next thing on your mind is probably the thing he's leading you to do. We second guess and we stew, and we spin, we spin in indecision. And indecision is like a whirring washing machine going round and round and never finishes. When we spin in indecision, we are not making any kind of progress, but it feels like a whole lot of work. Just like a washing machine is, is using a lot of energy when it spins. But really, when we do that, when we spin an indecision, we're not creating anything new. We're not creating anything different. We're staying exactly in the same pattern. We're exhausted at the end of the day, and yet there's nothing to show for it. Indecision spins our energy without giving us any kind of exchange for it. When you spend money, when you spend time, there should be an exchange. You should get something back. It's a transaction. But when you spend an indecision, you're spending energy and getting nothing in return. So if you're really exhausted at the end of the day, it could be because all day you've been thinking, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to do about this relationship. I don't know what to do about this problem at work. I don't know what to do about um, anything that you've, you've set your mind toward. And I'm speaking specifically toward writers, that writers a lot of times come to me and say, I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to write a book. I, I, I don't know how to market my book. I don't know how to publish my book. Well, guess what? I didn't know how to do any of those things. And I did them all. You can make a decision, but it may require that you give up the words, I don't know. So let me give you a few phrases that you can say 
instead of, I don't know, because it's sure a temptation. But it's almost like a curse word because it bubbles out whether we mean for it to come out or not. And we don't know how to suck it back in. And it poisons whatever we're doing at the moment. So don't limit yourself from saying, I don't know, but then follow it with one of these phrases. You ready? I've got 12 for you. If you find yourself saying, I don't know, follow it with, I don't know, but if I did know, I would, and then you take action on that. I don't know, but if I did know, I would do this. You give yourself permission in that way to take a step, even if you're not sure. How about number two? I don't know, but off the top of my head, I would say, again, you're I don't know, blocks the wisdom that God gives us according to James 1, 5 and following. God's giving us wisdom. We believe it. So where is it? Where's that wisdom? Well, we block it when we say, I don't know. So instead say, I don't know, but off the top of my head, I'd say, or number three, I don't know, but I'm learning how to. So when somebody comes to me and says, I don't know how to write a book, I'm like, but you're learning how to write a book. I don't know how to finish a chapter, but you're learning how to finish a chapter. I don't know how to publish a book, but you're learning how to publish a book. Let's do that. Let's focus on the progress and the growth that we're making instead of focusing on the ways that we're stuck or confused. And number four, I don't know, but I'm figuring out how to. I love that one. I use that a lot. I'm figuring out how to. Dot, dot, dot. Instead of, I don't know. I don't know is a lot more confining than I'm figuring out how to. Number five. I don't know, but the next smallest step in front of me is, and then you take the next smallest step in front of you. But what we want to do is see the whole entire plan. We want to know the the whole destination of where we're going. But instead, all you got to do is say, The next smallest step in front of me is this, and then you can take it. It perpetuates action rather than inaction. When you say, I don't know the whole way, but the next smallest step in front of me is dot, dot, dot. Okay, so what about number six? I don't know, but I'm open to believing that God's going to show me. It's all about the moment. Okay, I don't know in this moment, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to know later on. So I'm open to believing that God is going to show me. That's another one I use a lot. Number seven, I don't know, but the move that I'm making the right move is, okay, when you're writing a book, it's going to be easy to say, I don't know what I should call it, or I don't know what topic to go with, or I don't know if I should uh, write it with this style or that style. Look. You get to choose and make it the right move. Instead of wondering, well, what's the the right move for me? Just make it the right move. Here's what you do. You say, I don't know, but the move that I'm making the right move is this. So I always have about five books cooking in my brain. I could write any of them at any time. I just am like, I want to write this one. And then I'll start. And then as soon as it gets a little rough or rocky, I'm like, let me switch. I'm going to go over to this idea. Mm-mm. The move that I'm making the right move is this one that I chose. 
and I'm moving on ahead with it, even though it gets rocky a little bit along the way. So when you pick an idea of any kind in any area of your life, make it the right move. Keep pouring your effort and your prayer in that direction, and it will become the right move. Trust that God within you, when you've asked him for wisdom, is going to lead you toward wisdom. Okay, number eight. I don't know, but I've decided that. Now, the words I have decided are the most powerful words I've been using lately. Because when you hear yourself say that you've decided something, you're likely to put a lot of your gumption behind what you've decided. So just saying, I don't know, uh, robs you of the gumption. And the gumption, there's just something about it that's really powerful. So say I have decided, I have decided this, I have decided that, I have decided. See, when I, even when I go and I, I eat somewhere for lunch, maybe I'll, I'll, on my way driving somewhere, I want to switch and pick someplace else. Even though I, no, I have decided that today I'm going there. I'm not switching it up. I don't want to get in the habit of switching things up. Even though I like a lot of variety, I don't want to get in the habit of switching things up too much because then that fosters that habit and all, because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if I get really comfortable switching up ideas when I'm on the way toward an idea, I used to do that all the time. I'd be on the way and say, oh, no, 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 this one's better. Here's a perfect example. My um, nephew, he loves eating at Rosa's fast food Mexican restaurant. So I was like, hey, I'm going to take you to Rosa's this, this Thursday night. And we made a plan. He looked forward to it. But guess what Aunt Nika did? Switched it up. So on the way there, I passed this hibachi place. I'm like, oh, he's never been to hibachi. I'm going to take him. So when I got to his house to pick him up, and this was for his birthday too, I said, all right. Because to me, I'm like, why wouldn't he want to go to hibachi? It's, it's like a better experience than just the fast food Mexican restaurant where you just get it and go. This hibachi, there's like, you get to watch the chef cook the food, there's fire, and he's going to be loving it. But when I said, hey, all right, I got a surprise for you. We're going to a hibachi place. You're going to love it. You've never been there. And he said, why are you switching it? And I said, because it's better. It's better than our original plan, because I just didn't think of the other plan, but you're going to love this. He was like, uh-uh, I want to stay with what we picked. And I was like, you just don't know how great this is. There's flames. Like there's, there's flames. You're going to be so excited. It's going to be fabulous. And he was like, okay. We drove there. I parked in the parking lot of the hibachi place. And he goes, I don't, I don't want to do this. I want to stick with our plan. And I said, I just don't even get why you want to stick with the plan when this is a better plan. And he said, I think when you tell me something, I look forward to it all week. And then I want to see it happen. But if you tell me we're going to go to Hibachi next time, I'll look forward to that all week and I'll be excited to see this happen. It's not that I'm not excited about this. It's that I don't want to switch the plan in the middle of the plan. Well, you know that irked me because I'm like, 
but switching plans is great. It's a great way to live. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's the wisdom of a 10-year-old. And most 10-year-olds don't even realize that it isn't a good idea to switch in the middle of a plan. But it's a rare occasion when switching in the middle of a plan is a good idea. So I was like, okay, we're going with it. We're going back to the Mexican food restaurant. And in two weeks, I'm taking you to Hibachi and you're going to look forward to it. He did. He looked forward to it. He absolutely loved it. And at the end of that night, he said, you know what? I still love the, the weekend that we went to the Mexican food restaurant. I still love that. Even though this is pretty cool, I still love that because I loved our plan and that we did what we said we were going to do. I was like, whoa. Okay, that's good stuff. I'm going to remember it. I'm going to remember it. Maybe I'll call it the hibachi principle. I'm going to stick with the plan. And when hibachi is the plan, it's going to be a great plan. But when, when Mexican food is the plan, then hibachi is not a great plan because the great plan is the plan that you carry on to completion. All right, so number nine. I don't know, but in this moment, the best action I can take is, okay, don't feel like you have to wait until you know everything. In this moment, in this moment, what is the best action you can take? Number 10. I don't know, but all things being equal, I would, okay? So take, be empowered, be empowered enough to say that in those moments when you don't know what to do, in the moments when you don't know what to do, be empowered enough to say, I don't know, but all things being equal, this is what I'm going to do. Right now, today, I'm going to take action. Um, and number 11, I don't know, but the one thing that would make a difference today is, okay, so more may unfold tomorrow. The, the Lord may reveal more. You may, you may, more circumstances may happen that give you more opportunities. But the, today, the one thing that will make a difference today, do that. And number 12, I don't know, but knowing what I know right now, I would, because you do know, you do know some things right now. So you can just say, I don't know, but knowing what I know right now, this is what I do. See, here's the thing. Like I said, spinning an indecision robs us of energy. And I want to share another thing that a friend of mine, her, her dad is a hunter. And she always said when we were growing up, if ever I felt stuck, and I was just waiting and waiting and not the good kind of waiting where the Lord's asked me to wait and I'm, I'm positioning myself in surrender, but the kind of waiting that's just because of fear that I'm not, I'm not willing to take a step. She would always say, Hey, you know, the Lord loves to hit a moving target. That's what my dad always says. So I have really internalized that idea. The Lord loves to hit a moving target. Look. The only way you can go wrong is to walk away from him. How do I know? Because Abraham, he took a, he made a move. He did something. He, he knew that God was going to bring about the promised child through him. And sure, he made the wrong move. Yeah. And created an Ishmael situation in his life, but it did not stop the promise that the Lord is bringing through his life. He wasn't even able to make a wrong move unless the move was to walk away from the Lord. 
So know that you won't be able to do anything in your life that will thwart what God is going to do in your life. So act. The Lord loves to hit a moving target. <laughs> he is going to, he is going to overcome you with his love. Even if you run, goodness and mercy is following you all the days of your life. So even if you run in the wrong direction, he's going to catch up and he's going to tackle you with his goodness and mercy. So be aware of that. And I want to, um, I want to share something else with you that has to do with timing because God's timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. So you don't even have to worry about how things play out in your life necessarily because he's going to use it all for his glory. So if you're a writer and you're worried whether somebody's going to read your book, because a lot of times they'll buy it and then they, they'll just take it home and not read it. Or maybe you've given someone a book. Have you given someone a book? Have you given your child a book, your adult child, hoping that they would read it? And then they're like, have you read that book that I thought was going to help you? And they're like, uh, no, mom, I haven't done it. Look, don't worry about it because God's timing is perfect. Okay, I got this, this message on Facebook from a reader. And I'm just going to share it with you because this is going to be encouragement to any writer who wonders if somebody is not reading their book after they bought it. And it's going to be encouragement to any parent or aunt or uncle or sibling or anyone who's tried to help someone by giving them a book. Here's what I realized long ago. I, when I started living a career as a writer, I, I had to just accept this as truth, that God's timing for the reading of your book is perfect. And you can't force it. You can't rush it. You can't manipulate it. So this is what this, what this message says. I just wanted to thank you so much for writing Hunting Hope. I've had this book on my bookshelf for four years. I bought it from a bookstore in 2018. And I've never gotten around to reading it. I'm a senior in college about to graduate April 30th. Now, pause, pause, pause. So what she's saying is when she bought the book, if she's a senior in college right now, I, I mean, it likely four years ago when she bought the book, she was a freshman in college. So just picture the difference between a senior and a freshman. That's what we're talking about here. Okay, so she's about to graduate April 30th. And my boyfriend broke up with me out of the blue a couple of weeks ago. I went home the weekend after it happened and I saw your book sitting there. I grabbed it and have been reading it ever since. I was so lost and thought this was going to, to wreck me, but it hasn't. I was upset for two or three days and now all of my trust is in him. I know that he has a plan for my life and your book has helped out tremendously and I'm ever forever grateful for that. When she bought it, she didn't need that book. She was getting it so that it would be sitting there four years later. So I don't want you to feel bad when you buy a book or when you buy something else and then it sits there a while, no problem. You're going to read it when the time is right for you. 
if you give if you give someone a book or something else, no problem. They're going to access it when the time is right for them. So, is it really any big deal if you provided something four years early? No, that's not a big deal. That's no big deal at all. If you provided it four years early, it's not late if they read it because, as you can see in this example, and this is one of so many examples of when people are like, I can't believe it. I bought your book three years ago. I bought your book two years ago. I bought your book 10 years ago and I needed it today. I tell you that because you don't always know. We've been talking about, I don't know. You don't always know in the moment but you will know as you keep progressing when the moment is right, you will know. So take the action anyway. If you don't know why you want to buy that book, take the action anyway. It may be that in five years in four years, it's, it's perfect for you. And this is not only about books, but about all your decisions. Trust James, one, five, and following. God's word is living and active. And this is what it says to you right now. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all, all means all, without finding fault. And he who asks should believe and not doubt. You may not know right now. But if you did know, what would you do? We'll talk soon. Until then, keep writing.